0: It's up on us for a notice study session on two great topics yeah um Mr. Alman, would you like to introduce the first topic?
1: Certainly, um, I'm gonna ask uh, Amy Lawrence to help me with this. She's gonna be uh, providing a little bit of staff context on the report back from the, uh, uh, our folks from the Fashion Week and Food and Wine uh, program. Uh, basically, real quickly, you know, why we're here. And then there's also some requests that we wanted to just make you aware of. We'll be back to you later during budget time, but it's an opportunity just to do a quick report in on how things are going. So I'll turn it over to Amy.
2: Thank you. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, Mayor, members of the City Council. I'm um, Amy Lawrence, Economic Development uh, Deputy Director. Today's study session is about uh, Palm Springs Life Fashion Week in uh, El Paseo and Palm Desert Food and Wine event. It's going to be an event recap and then uh, we'll go over the sponsorship request. And today we have uh, Frank Jones with Palm Springs Life here to provide a brief presentation. And once he's done, we'll come back to me so that I can go over the sponsorship request. Super welcome.
3: Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mayor and uh, distinguished council staff. So um, this is typically where we do a very quick recap for you. I know we have a couple new council people since we've done this. So the old council, if you could bear with us, we'll take the new ones through it. Um, Am I changing that? (laughs) (laughs) Who's doing this? (laughs) Are you doing it? Okay, I'm doing it. Okay, great so we'll go through it and if you have any questions we'll uh try and answer them for you and then i think amy's going to give you a little ask at the end of it uh in terms of what we're doing for the future um so this was our 16th year of fashion week our 11th year of the palm desert food and wine uh so quickly um we'll give you some event highlights uh we did 17 uh total events uh in in under the tent, we did 130 events on the street uh, in 28 different retail locations. We had a total attendance of 5400 plus and we raised $62,000 for charity and just quickly on the charity, for those that I haven't said anything to, that's off their own efforts for the events in terms of what they generate in ticket sales. No city monies or other monies from the event go to the charities. It's based on what they earn at the event. THESE ARE JUST COMMENTS, AND I KNOW YOU HAVE THE KITS FOR THESE FROM uh, THE TICKETED ATTENDEES, uh, SOME OF THEM THAT WE'VE PULLED OUT. ONLY POSITIVE ONES FOR YOUR EYES. IF YOU WANT THE NEGATIVE ONES, WE'LL CERTAINLY SHARE THOSE WITH YOU. Um, LET'S SEE HERE. AM I POINTING THIS THING AT ANYTHING INDIRECTLY OR DO I, AM I JUST? OKAY, THERE WE GO. WOW. SO THAT WAS OUR ATTENDANCE. here's where they came from on fashion week about half inside the market half outside the market you'll see the composite of how it breaks down primarily drive market and then most of our feeder markets that you have direct flights coming in and out of our airport it pretty much matches that so that's on the fashion week side not pretty typical Uh, did i miss a few things no
4: Is there, there's a delay on this? Okay, there we go. Who were these people? Okay, whoa, okay. I feel like I've missed some stuff, but okay.
3: You know, much better with my remote at home on the television, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. Just stop using it and tell me to click okay, switch. Let's do that. Thank you. Yeah, I don't have to be stubborn. So typically, you know, these demographics pretty much match the convention and visitors demographics for the market in terms of age and our visitor market. So we're matching it pretty uh, pretty consistently it's nothing of a surprise here typically for our events uh, we do skew higher in the demographic range so you'll see household income which skews a little bit higher and that's what we're aiming for in this event in terms of um, the people that can spend in terms of our retail location so that all makes sense to us and hopefully to you as well we can move on economic impact so this is going back to the TO 2007 AND YOU SEE HOW WE'VE GROWN THE ECONOMIC economic IMPACT. WHAT WE DO IS WE TAKE A PER PERSON TICKET uh, NUMBER WHICH IS $525 PER PERSON AS TO WHAT THEY WOULD SPEND IN THE MARKET AS A RESULT OF THEIR EXPERIENCE WITH THIS EVENT. AND THAT COULD BE ON RETAIL. Um, uh restaurants dining transportation etc we get these numbers from the CVB as part of their calculation this year we took modernism week in Palm Springs because they had a similar ticket price and it took out all the other stuff that the CVB has and gave us just an event audience so it gave us a little bit higher number per person and I think it's more accurate so we're right in there THE BIG DIP THAT YOU SEE FOR THOSE COUNCIL MEMBERS THAT HAVEN'T BEEN WITH US IS POST-COVID. SO WE'RE STILL COMING OUT OF A POST-COVID RESPONSE uh, TO OUR EVENT, BUT THAT'S HOW WE WERE TRENDING. WE COULD GO TO THE NEXT ONE. SO TWO THINGS ABOUT THE EVENT. Uh, THERE'S THE VALUE OF THE TICKETED ATTENDEE AND THEN THERE'S THE VALUE OF ALL THE MARKETING AND PROMOTION THAT GO WITH IT so this is breaking down that marketing and promotion into dollar values and audience reached and just to recap it you got about a a 1 million 1.1 million dollars in media that's how it breaks down across uh, the media platforms reaching about 93 million impressions that sounds incredible but in terms of how digital media and social media works uh, that's kind of what it looks like in today's thing and how it draws down. So we can quickly go through the next uh, slides there. So this is some of the uh, digital media on various media that we're getting in terms of news releases and those types of things. We can go to the next one. Um, These are print uh, things that we use and other people have, have given us and you can see the value there. We can go to the next one. This is collateral, so these are things that are uh, brochures and whatnot that we put on posters and uh, all kinds of things like that. We can go to the next one. Social media, you can see we get a lot of bang for our buck um, from the designers on this event and the models on this event. I think we will see in another slide how many models we employ. Those models all have followers on the on their programs and, and they post like uh, they post like crazy so that's how we calculate all of that Um, again this is more digital in terms of uh, direct uh, direct outreach to databases that we control we can go on and then um, television radio billboards the billboard is mostly in partnership with the convention and visitors bureau who's kind enough to um, give us uh, Los Angeles and San Diego County boards that we buy. So we're grateful for that. Next one. At the end of every event, we survey all ticketed people, and I think we got over 500 responses on that this year. This is a culmination of their response. So 40% of our people were, were first year attendees, which is good, you want that healthy thing. And then we have you know, close to 30% that are six years or more. That means we're doing our job. We've got some core people in there that we probably couldn't get rid of. We can move on. Uh, Where did they hear about it? That lists our media, gives us a judge in terms of what we're going, how we're spending our resources and time. Next one. And then how do you rate the event? Um, We pretty much divide this into good and above and fair and poor below. We want to keep fair and poor below 5%. Um, For those of you that were with us last year, we were over 10% LAST YEAR AND OUR GOAL WAS TO GET US DOWN BELOW THAT WE ACHIEVED IT THIS YEAR WE MADE A NUMBER OF CHANGES TO IT AND SO WE'RE TRENDING VERY VERY WELL THERE NEXT ONE um, will, th- WILL THEY ATTEND NEXT YEAR AGAIN uh, LIKELY AND ABOVE IS GOOD UNLIKELY WE WANT IT 10 PERCENT uh, OR BELOW A LOT OF OUR PEOPLE THAT TRAVEL HERE uh, FOR THE EVENT we'll say they're not coming back because they're not going to be here next year because they're coming from wherever and they're going someplace else. So that's 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 what we get a lot of that out of. We can go on to the next one um, uh, recommendation. Again, we're getting very favorable results. We want to get that unlikely below below 10 percent. And uh, this is a thing where we ask them what they would like to see that they didn't experience. Uh, This doesn't change much. And we normally uh, don't get much information from this. It just gives them a chance to weigh in on what they'd like to see. Um, This is about their overnight stays, who stayed overnight, who did not. And it pretty much tracks with um, our in and out of market survey. How long did they stay here? you can see the day trippers the weekenders and then the longer stern stay people i think that when you get into two weeks or more you're probably looking at your snowbird uh, on that one next Um, yeah and then you can see if they were here specifically for the event or they attended the event uh, as a result of being here and so on and so forth okay did they use the airport Next one, you like that? Okay, we'll we'll make sure that it's on every page from now on for the rest of our lives, um, where do we end up? Okay, did they dine out? Most of them dined out. How frequently did they dine out? That helps us understand the spend and trend. And then did they shop? Did they make purchases? Uh, again, we're getting very high marks on all of that. And then, did you, do, do you intend uh, uh, to uh, attend next year? Again, very high marks on that. And I think that's it. So that's basically the recap on Fashion Week. And I think the biggest thing to note out of that um, is that there's a lot more satisfaction than we had last year. Um, and what we're looking to do is probably reach more of an out-of-town audience with our media in, in, the, in the future years. So are there any questions on that?
4: Okay. I have a quick question. Yeah. Um, on this logo,
0: El Paseo is teeny weeny
3: oh so <laughs> that's good we use it
0: no in, it's bad
3: yeah no yeah that's a good question uh we use it in different ways and in different sizes it won't always appear this way so we were probably for your purposes just making a fashion week indication and you kind of know it's El Paseo but we will ad, we will adjust it from
0: the, the reason I asked yeah. is um some of the slides from Um, models and whatnot uh, who are sharing where they were have the teeny weeny version, which means we're not getting as much bang when those shares happen.
3: So uh, you mean how we get more...
4: I mean social media yeah in other words if
0: what they are sharing is this version oh we're not getting as much bang
3: yeah so it's a great question um yeah go ahead pauline
5: From um, the social media perspective, one of the things that we do is when we are posting across social media, we do use geolocations and we have a great partnership with Stephanie and we tag all the post shop alpha sale to give people a sense of place and then that they could also follow through and see the Alpha Sale account on social media channels. So that's something that our collaboration with her has allowed us to do and execute on RN and hope that there'd be shares and regrams from there.
3: Did you understand that? Yes. Uh, Okay, good, because I I think you have to be 13 to understand it, I don't know. But, uh, you know, if you look at all the posts, you'll see that people attack it on from very different ways. But I I will say that Palm Desert and El Paseo, it's pretty rare that that messaging doesn't come through in terms of where they are as a destination, right? Not only specifically to El Paseo, but, uh uh palm desert
0: you took my point i'm gonna other other questions Uh, yes my um... question
6: is in regards to again the same social media you mentioned that these were um the the snippets of that you presented are from the models and the designers but you're saying that the social media value reflects 1.6 million views but the actual likes on there seem pretty low Um, I know that the like versus the view is different, but I think it would be impactful to quantify the number of of likes that are there. Would it be in in our best interest and your best interest to generate some additional hashtags, you know, that are a little bit more lively to create that engagement? Or are there others that have a higher impact?
3: So, you know, what happens is likes are dependent upon The content that other people are reposting, it's also dependent upon how many followers that person has, right? So we can't control that. We can help them facilitate, which we do, we give them imagery, we give them video, but a lot of these are their own videos and things that they're taking on their own, which is what we want. Your question in terms of media value is very sophisticated and more people need to ask this question. So we're giving you total impressions. In my mind working in media impressions don't mean that much. It is engagement and that isn't a like. It's also what they do with that like in terms of are we asking them to do something else transactively to buy a ticket, shop at a store, take some action. When they're regramming like this that Paulina alludes it to, we can't control that part of the ask, but we can do it in our other social media things. So um, I think what we can include in here is more engagement numbers for you. Uh, we have all that, of course, um, it's important and, and you should you should continue. Anybody that's standing here, you ask that question to them because it's a really good one.
6: <laughs> I would also like to see for next year if you can give the the number of times that each hashtag was used. For example, I saw El um, Paseo Fashion Week or I can't squint and see the other one, but I think that would be very valuable to us to say these are the two hashtags we created and this was how many times it was used because this predominantly seems like it's Instagram where we know that the target audience tends to be a little bit more of a Facebook audience. So in addition to Instagram, I think it would be valuable to quantify the amount of Facebook and um, Twitter, for example.
3: Yeah, so we're using uh, Facebook and Twitter and other platforms. We're just showing you a snapshot. Um, Boy, would we be happy to delve into all of it with you in detail? Yeah, I mean, we have significant audience across all of those. And you're right, Facebook, in terms of a little bit older demographic, has much more traction in this market. But we're just showing you a snapshot here. Yeah.
7: All right, thanks again for the presentation, Mr. Jones. It was awesome, it was a great event, I thought. Um, Question, when you go to editorial and public relations as well as the print advertising section here, um, most of it, or a lot of it, appears to be sort of regional Uh, Yeah. Outlets. Are we getting any traction, say, in the International National, like Vogue magazine?
3: Yeah. So from year Evan, from year to year, it it varies. Um, This year, we didn't get picked up by a lot of regional or national uh, media. Um, We have taken our resources out of PR and put it into what we can control and other things like buying social media and that type of thing and putting it into those things that we can control and that we can get some transaction value out of that. So we did make a shift in strategy there. Um, It's a kind of a common shift that's going on, but I do think um, in our partnerships, not only with Stephanie, but the CVB, we could work on our uh, PR and use their leverages uh, to garner some of the more national things that go on like that. Um, But the the trend of strategy shift that we did is pretty common. Um, So our goal particularly in the beginning is we want transaction. So it's impression, engagement, transaction, meaning we want them to come show up and participate with us. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. And in the social world, you need a lot of impressions to get some engagement, to get a little bit of transaction. That's kind of how it works. Yeah.
8: And I was just gonna add, um, you know, just looking at the chart, yeah, 2018 and 19 were blowout years. So. Yeah that's probably your goal is to get back to it. So I'm sure you have other ways other than social media for people like myself, that a lot of this is going right over my head (laughs) in terms of impressions, hashtags. And um, so I'm sure you have other ways that you're going to get us back to those numbers.
3: Well, um, yeah, we hope so. Um, You know, coming out of COVID, we thought that we were gonna rebound a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been pretty tough. Um, and w- uh, so last year, we still had a lot of people that weren't com- comfortable in public spaces. Um, we also raised our prices a little bit. Um, so that helped our revenue uh, a little bit. And But our attendance was still hovering in a, just an immediate past COVID level. Um, there's a number of things that we're working on. I, yeah, I don't know how much you want me to delve into it today. We do want to come back and talk to you. I was talking to Amy about this, but we do want to come back and talk to you later in the summer on some of the ideas we have because um, they are pretty significant, but it's always a um, it's always having to do with how much money you want to spend for how much bang for the buck you want to get. Okay. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah.
9: What impact, and I, to me, you know, the novice, I see it through my eyes and kind of have my own ideas of what impact not having to flip the tent for the two events, just having one, stopping it and starting the new one. What do you see there? Yeah,
3: so um, just to bring the new people up to speed, typically we would overlap these events where we would have um, uh, things going on. food and wine in the day and fashion week at night. And we really split them up this year. Um, It um, allowed us to kind of take a lot of the pressure off the team uh, that operates the event. Um, And it it allowed us to be a little bit more civil uh, with its operations and a little bit more efficient because we were able to save money not having to work around the clock on those turnovers for two and a half days. We think it was a success because we saved money and we created a better experience for the um, uh, for the people that attended those events, Uh, and that's part of what drove down our likability, drove down the unlikes and unfavorables. We we created a a better experience in that way, so I think we're headed in the right direction. However. these two of you we so we market these events and operate these events as two separate events they have two separate budgets two separate operating things they often have different teams they have two separate recaps you're going to see the next one they just happen to share this space so what we're that's how we end up being able to pay for a tent that costs us three hundred thousand dollars plus to build and operate over an 11-day plus period, 11 days of operation, and then the days on either end for setup and takedown. Yeah, did I answer your question?
9: It, it did very yeah. much. And, But I have a and, and I have a follow-up. And this kind of to Gina's point, where she said, you know, 28, 29, we were like through the roof. Now we did, you did, we had fewer fashion shows. Yeah. And, which I. My opinion is, I thought that was effective. I thought it was impactful having fewer and just some dynamic fashion shows. Because of the fewer fashion shows, do you expect to get back up where you were before or should we
3: look at it differently? No, I think you're right. I uh, I think there's a sentiment amongst ticket buyers that we were doing too many, A. So now our job is, the best way we can approach this is to do better shows. And that's where we got to work on. And some, and like I said, that's where uh, it costs money to do better shows, better talent. You know, if you, you you just got to pay for it a little bit. So that's what we're working on right now. So we're trying to save money money in other areas so that we can improve the quality of our programming.
9: And so part of my question is, I wonder if you would have had a higher capture rate for attendance if you had more days, but that doesn't necessarily make it a better show.
3: Yeah, it, and, it, and it, it's been wearing our ticket buyers out, um, particularly our divas. Um, they are our second biggest sponsor behind the city. Uh, and they just come to us and say, wow, uh, nine days, ten days, whatever we were doing, we're worn out, you know. So we did pair it back, and they were grateful for that. Uh, even though they got less shows for their money, we raised their price a little bit. So it's a funny thing, but I do think that strategy that I just described is what we're up to. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right.
0: Let's move on to food and wine. Okay.
3: All right. So uh, again, just event recaps. Um, you know, we did 42 different events um, that you can see with food and wine. We had 891 people uh, uh, animating those events in terms of what it took to operate it and we raised 22,000 for charity. One is the James Beard Foundation and then the other is the Fine Food Bank. So we're pretty excited about that we can move uh these again are the comments uh from uh locally and around the country internationally as well we can move um again who came what were the numbers uh we had four thousand attendants uh attendance over the course of I think it was four or five days four or five days yeah and then where did they come from so we're finding that Um, food and wine is a more, a better draw from out of the area. This has been a consistent trend and you can see the statistics there next. Um, who are they? And again, they're very similar, uh, to fashion week. Uh, you might get, uh, a little bit more in the, in the middle, uh, in terms of the demographic age, but again, they match the makeup of this market. Uh, and who comes to this market. Uh, The economic impact, again, this is uh, a little bit better, um, and that's because on this event, uh, our attendance is growing. It took a bigger leap, but I wanna tell you why it took a better leap and it has an answer to the thing. Somebody described this event to us this year is the Coachella of chefs. In other words, we had 11 major celebrity chefs at this event um, there is no event really that has this many chefs of the celebrity nature and one place for that long of time um, and so it's really significant what we've been able to do there and we've had to invest in that um, we could get into the details of that but it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> so i think we want to try and do the same thing on the fashion side Um, The dynamics of the production of those have different costs and associated with it. But the the programming of those celebrity chefs, as you'll find, we can go to the next one and it'll start to explain it. Uh, Media, so this is the same thing. Um, Again, a whole nother set of values, impressions um, associated with the various media. We can move on and we'll walk through that. Now here we have some more um, because of the celebrity chefs, you know, we were able to pick up LA Weekly and some more out of town types of things with the, the Yahoo on the national level, we can move. Um, we actually do a facilitated buy in the Southern California dry market uh, with some other uh, media companies in, the, in San Diego, Orange and LA County. And then uh, the local printed uh, collateral, including the banners that run on El Paseo, you can see those bottom right. And then um, just the Instagram, but we can show you the other stuff. (laughs) Um, And you can see that your celebrity postings are getting many more likes. Why? Because those celebrities have many, many more followers. In fact, um, this cat, uh, the Australian kid, what's his name? Curtis Stone, Curtis Stone all the, yeah. he has done such a magnificent job. If you see that chipino dish there, he posted that about a week ago. He cooked that chipino dish under the tent for about 150 to 200 people one Saturday night. And he did a sequence of postings of how he created that dish after the fact. He's gotten thousands and thousands of likes and how that works. So hopefully that makes that question a little bit more understood so we can push on Um, again, the digital media and how that plays out. We can push through that Um, television, radio. And again, the CVB was working with us on the outdoor and we used our celebrity chefs out of market to get as much bang as buck as we could. Um, Tyler Florence below that. And then we did our survey results. Um, again, a good half our people are first-timers, which is excellent. Less on the six years or more than we do with Fashion Week. A little bit more lo- loyal audience there for fashion. Uh, what media did we use and produce the results from? Um, survey results, again, were below, 10 per- were below um, 5% on the poor. Uh, we want to get good or above, so we're below ten percent on those two, which is which is good. Um, and then the the unlikelihood again is still a little bit high for us. That should be around ten percent or less. Um, what's happening to us there is the Saturday and Sunday ground tastings are crowded. If any of you came, um, and uh, so we have growing pains with this event and. THAT'S SOMETHING THAT WE CAN TALK ABOUT HOPEFULLY LATER IN THE SUMMER WHEN WE'RE ALL FOCUSED ON IT SO. um, BUT WE'RE GETTING VERY GOOD. um, uh, uh, WE'RE STILL UNDER 10 PERCENT IN TERMS OF OUR NEGATIVE SURVEY, RIGHT? MOST OF IT'S VERY POSITIVE, UPWARDS 80, 90 PERCENT, WHICH IS GREAT. Uh, what would you like to see cooking classes mixology which is uh, the bartender so that's well noted in something that we should definitely consider um, overnight stays higher with um, the food because of the travel that you saw earlier and then uh, length of stay uh, again that two to five day stay that's because the travel's higher and that they're picking off this event because they're traveling specifically for this event And then uh, how they got here and so on and so forth. You can read all this stuff. Next. Uh, Did they use the airport slightly more here as well? Next. And then um, uh, dine out. So even though they're dining out with us, they're still dining out and uh, which is good for our restaurants and shopping. And then would they come back next year? A good 80% plus. So that's very positive. So um, again, here's part of our social media focus uh, with this guy's got a tremendous following and he actually really likes it out here. So that's good. So if there's any questions on this, I can try and answer them for you. Um, So, yeah, anything? Yeah.
7: Okay, Terrific, I'm just curious. with the current footprint that you have uh, at the gardens, you know, under the tent, do you have an estimate of how much more attendance you could handle, either as a percent or in sheer numbers?
3: Yeah, I think- For both so, events. Yes, yeah, yeah, so I th- with Fashion Week, our attendance is leveled off. With food and wine, it's still accelerating. Um, we're, we need more room. We could build another grand tasting tent and we could do probably fill it or make it a more civilized affair where our ratings would be a little bit higher. Um, Those are things that we're working on right now to determine how we would go about that, what the economics look like, how we would program it differently. Um, We don't have all of that together, and that's something that we would probably want to come back and talk to you about in a couple months, and I think we should because um, On the West Coast, the L.A. Food and Wine Festival is no longer exists, and the Pebble Beach Festival no longer exists. Um, There's various reasons for that. Uh, Tyler Florence, the chef that was out here from San Francisco, said to us, those events don't exist anymore. This is my first time here. I want to get on a conference call with my team and your team and see how we can make this the next pebble beach because it feels like that it feels like it's emerging based on his experience from that event so we kind of knew that a year ago and he confirmed it not knowing you know we didn't tip him off so we're talking to his team we're talking to some other teams but that's really the opportunity with this this can not only be you know a premier event for the city but it can be a premier event in terms of a a destination event for the entire west coast we will replace pebble beach because it's not here we already have the chefs and we have that momentum what we need to work on is our programming and our physical plant to accommodate that now i can tell you that i represented the pebble beach company for over 20 years on various media concerns i knew their event well they had three independent grand tasting tents. So our grand tasting tents, they had two more, right? And it was just a very elevated experience for everybody. So ours is a little more rough and tumble because we put a lot of people through that. Uh, so there's a lot of details to that. Hopefully that began to answer your question.
7: Right, but even if you were say to grow to three, would the gardens be able to accommodate that? Do you, do you estimate? Or? So
3: in food and wine, I don't think we can accommodate any more people the way it's set up now. We use every square inch of that. With Fashion Week, we have some room to grow, and we've actually, as you can see in the previous years, you know, we're averaging about 800 people. We've done up to 1,200, 1,300 people in that tent for Fashion Week, depending on the night. So we can grow more on Fashion Week, but food and wine, it's, it's bursting. Right? It's per, the number of people we're putting through there, we, we don't have enough space. Yeah.
0: Right. Thank you. And- You're welcome. Oh, excuse me, please.
6: Um, I uh, thank you again. This is very comprehensive and I, I do greatly appreciate it. I noticed that in the questions, um, I don't know if it was part of what you asked or only the synopsis, but in saying how many dined out, would it be possible to show us how many dined in Palm Desert? instead of just going out and exploring? Because we know the foodies may have headed downtown. Well,
3: that's right. You know, I forget who just asked us that question. And we said, well, why would we want to just pair it down to Palm Desert? Because they're dining out or shopping anywhere. But we, we do, we can do that the next time. Um, so. Obviously, this is the second time we've been asked this question in 24 hours, so we need to make that kind of detail on there, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, I
6: know that people come to the area and they want to go shopping at Cabazon as well, for example. So in order to differentiate the markets, which leads me to the question is what was your methodology? What was your sample size? Was it randomized email? Or how did you select the survey participants?
3: Can you you ask? I'm having a hard time hearing. Am I the only one? (laughs)
6: My question is regarding the methodology how what was your sample size? Where did you select them so we can get an understanding of was it randomized? How did you achieve these results?
3: Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah
5: Hi. So every single ticket that is issued is through our ticket platform. And then that ticket platform, everybody is required to submit their email address. That's for ticket processing as well as post-event recapping. And so within 24 hours of the event concluding, we send out an email that lets them know, thank you for coming. And if they complete their survey, they will be automatically entered to win tickets to Fashion Week. We have to go for 2020. We have to give them something to incentivize them. And so our total database was about, I would say about 3,000, and we had a a pretty good response, it was up 15%. And we do have a schedule where we do an additional send and then we email them twice. Um, We think the sample size is is really good reflecting uh, the questions and the answers that we received. But all of it, it is done through SurveyMonkey, which is the exporting and importing platform where we pull all the database from.
6: Wonderful, thank you. Survey Monkey is something that is generally accepted. And the last page that we have here is in regards to um, the after action report and it deals with our own cops. Is there anything that will be used to address any future private security issues that, that happened?
5: Sorry, I'm, I'm not understanding. So the a- the
6: last page that we have here says the cops after action report, fashion, food, and wine in regarding to um, who was our, our citizens on patrol, for example. I don't know if this is something in, in your report or is this something that's only <coughs> internal.
2: I, I don't Wait. believe. I'm sorry if I can jump in. I
6: don't believe that that's something that they provided. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, okay.
0: Very good, okay. Miss Lawrence, you have um, two from the one and two punch.
2: <laughs> I have kay. one more slide for you. Um,
3: okay.
2: If I can, there it is. <laughs> Let me just
3: say thank you and then I'm going to sit down. Thank you so much for your continued support of this event and I, I hope we're doing you proud. That's our main thank ambition. Thank right.
2: Thank you, Frank. So um, just uh, to finish this off, uh, we will have, um, this is the five-year sponsorship for these two events expired this year. And the last agreement provided for $200,000 for uh, Fashion Week and $100,000 for Palm Desert uh, food and wine annually. And so Palm Springs Life is requesting a new three-year agreement for the same level of support. And that funding has been included in this upcoming fiscal year budget for council consideration. And so we will speak about it then at study session. And hey, if have you have a, any questions.
9: I have a quick question I'd like answered. So you said it's a fi- we had a five-year sponsorship agreement. Yes. Uh, did, does that include the two years? It didn't exist. Be-
2: I, think, I believe that we actually uh, jumped over those two years. So.
9: so we really only satisfied three years?
2: We no, had- I think it, it ended up being a seven-year agreement.
9: Yes. Yes. Oh, okay okay that's what I needed thank you so much Mm
0: -hmm. well fantastic we will look forward to this issue coming back to council and uh, collaborating with you uh, about your possible
4: visions uh, for bigger and better And shall we steam ahead with our second
0: topic?
1: Absolutely, Mayor. Um, Veronica Chavez and uh, Derek White are here to present uh, our Desert Willow resident program uh, ideas. We recently held uh, four input meetings and, and had well over a hundred folks uh, provide input to us regarding um, just suggestions, concerns that they had with the, how the resident access primarily was uh, going at Desert Willow. So. We're making some suggested revamps to the program and I'd like uh, Veronica and Derek to sort of take you through that.
10: Thank you, Todd. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. As Todd mentioned, during the month of March, we held um, some resident meetings, informational meetings at Desert Willow um, in response to some concerns we had heard over the year and asked them to bring their concerns and also some suggestions for solutions. The current programs that are offered at Desert Willow include the resident card program, the Champions Club and the Platinum Card program. The residence card is a program that we offer to residents at $40 and they get access to the greens for $52 per round. And um, it is sold to anyone who can confirm that they're a resident and they have a three day booking window. Currently there are about 2000 residence cards issued annually. The Champions Club is a um, program where there are 52 slots and they play for 32 weeks at the cost of $52 a week. Um, It is, I forget what it was called, uh, like like league play for them. And they go from October to May. Um, And that program was heavily visited this year. So there were some concerns with that one as well. Um, And then the platinum card is a program where um, cards are offered at a discounted rate to residents and they gain access to the greens at a discounted rate with a 21 day window. The meetings were very well attended. a copy of staff's presentation is included in the report. During each meeting, staff went through the basic economic factors um, affecting decisions at Desert Willow. We went through the annual budgets at Desert Willow and how, func- how it functions as an enterprise fund. An enterprise fund in its very nature is intended to be self-sustaining. With Desert Willow, the fees collected cover operations. However, the city continues to transfer funds to cover capital improvements. However, um, excuse me, necessary to keep the course in its desired condition. As you can see in the slide, we intend to transfer in the current year, $3.5 million to cover the um, course improvements at Firecliff. In doing that, that puts us in a negative um, deficit. And therefore on top of that, we do not have the 90 day desired reserve at the end of that period. And so that's one of the things that um, we are always concerned about is not being able to have that reserve in case of emergency, in case of um, economic factors that change annually. So that is something that we do have to take into consideration. apologize. So any changes to the programs um, we would need to remain revenue neutral to the best of our abilities. One of the things that we noticed is that we get um, comments on the extent of revenues that we've seen in the recent years post-pandemic. And we wanted to um, additionally talk about the expenditures and how they've been affected post-pandemic. Just like with the city, the costs have increased dramatically. And so the um, graph at the top just shows how um, our staffing costs have increased incrementally. And then also if you look at the bottom left corner, just supplies on their own have increased dramatically um, in their percentage, but also in their cost. and um, utilities have increased um, services, supplies, just across the board, they have increased. And so that's something that we are constantly considering if we go back to this last page, you'll see that, although the revenues went to $16 million, the expenditures are anticipated to be at 19 million this year. Of course, that includes that transfer, but it's still, there's an incremental growth over those years. So ultimately, staff heard from about 100 residents, resident golfers, both at the meetings and in follow-up emails, Some common themes we heard at each of the meetings were the availability of tea times. Um, From the Platinum Club membership, it was access to the course that kept popping up. Um, On the resident card memberships, it was also access to the course that we kept hearing about. Um, The booking window, it currently is at 12 a.m., and so that was a concern for residents that that's difficult to meet, and they asked us to change that. Um, On the Champions Club membership, They requested additional slots and then also some sort of priority. There was such a turnout this year that there were people who had been um, tenured players over the last few years that were not able to get in. And so they were asking if there's some way we could prioritize them or open that um, membership up a little bit. And then one of the resounding things we heard that we were kind of surprised by was just the willingness to increase the money that they pay for access to the course in exchange to just get on the course. And so following the meetings, staff worked with Kemper staff um, to analyze the ideas based on fiscal responsibility, the potential opportunity cost, and whether the ideas work in high demand current times or in low demand where recession market conditions. The following recommendations were developed and are intended to achieve a balance between the two and answer the concerns that we got from residents. So as far as the residence card go, we didn't, we didn't, we cannot speak. We did not recommend any changes there with the exception of changing the booking window from 12 a.m. to 7 p.m. So essentially they would get three days and a quarter to, to have access to the, to the course or to booking times. On the Champions Club, we are suggesting that we go from 52 players to 72 players and offer an additional 28 slots for backup in case some of the 72 players cannot attend so that those people can fill in those empty slots and also increasing their rate from the $52 during the 32 weeks to $65. The initial sale of the membership we thought would be best um, prioritized by giving those tenured um, players access um, on a first right of purchase offer and have a window of how quickly they can um, access those um, slots. And then if that did not um, happen, those would be offered to the next person in line for the platinum card we discuss continuing to offer it at a reduced cost to residents and um, of 800 cards that would be offered, we would offer half of them to residents initially by December 1st. So they basically have the first chance to get the cards and also extend the booking booking time from 21 days to 60 days. So that makes them even with all the other booking times um, advanced times that they can book their windows um, and gives them a better access to the course Um, we would also discuss we also discussed implementing a um, cancellation fee for those that didn't show up um, in order to discourage those sorts of things all in all all of them will have access to the new booking time Um, The only other recommendation we had was that we have the opportunity to assess how these changes affect the course and be able to come back next year and make any other additional adjustments if they're needed. Um, That is my report. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them.
8: And Derek is here as well. I was going to comment mainly to say, you know, thank you so much, Derek and staff and Todd for taking the lead on this. Um, Since I've been, I want to say since 2016, dealing with resident golfers, and it's been such a a challenge to deal with. And it seems like finally, our staff and under our leadership of uh, Todd Heilman here, we we've come up with it looks like what to be a, a, a good staff recommendation. And Derek, thank you as well.
4: Those
7: are just my comments on questions. Yeah, I wanna echo Jean's, uh, Gina's comment. Um, you guys responded quickly and, and it was really good feedback and it was really neat to go outside the scope of the usual suspects to get a lot of more feedback there. That was really clever work there um, and good work. So uh, just a couple questions on the numbers. The uh, resident card uh, play will remain $50 per outing. Uh, are we also, outside of all the, the city program, just to, to regular play, aren't, are we considering raising traditional green fees?
11: I'll let Derek speak to that. I suppose that one's on me. Um, absolutely, and we've been raising prices. You know, We offer dynamic pricing at Desert Willow, and so as demand has grown, so has the average you know rate or the charge that, that we produce out there. So we're constantly increasing green fees if not daily, hourly, you know, we're making changes as we see fit. Cool, and was there any-
0: cons- so, so that's clear. The rate fluctuates mm-hmm. in response to demand. So it's not a constant price, yeah. it's responsive, and the more people who wanna play, the higher the price.
7: So it's dynamic based on demand, got it. And was there any consideration given to raising that $50 per outing for residents, in other words, was was the idea broached or was there resistance to it
1: or was that considered? And that might be not. There really wasn't much uh, thought given to it. I I think we the the big, folks really wanted access to the course. Um, I think we probably could have pushed the $52. Uh, We chose not to, we chose to leave it in place uh, with three day booking window and let them um, uh, attempt to make their tee times a little bit earlier. Uh, We're hoping that the Platinum Club changes, the increased access um, not only helps those folks who were pretty upset uh, that they paid to buy that card and couldn't get on the course, but we're hoping that sort of serves as a pressure relief valve. Uh, It's been an unusual last couple of years for Desert Willow. Even with the dynamic pricing, the tee times have been sold out fast. Um, We do have a few golfers, we learned, uh, that have gotten very astute. at. Uh, pulling up the app and kind of waiting every five minutes. Not many people have that much time on their hands to do it. So um, we, we are thinking that, and they're taking those $52 tea times. So we're hoping that some of these changes we're making give people more access to the course and also help those folks that are looking to, you know, ones and twos out on the course to get those $52 uh, tea times a little a little bit easier as well, if we can relieve some of that pressure.
0: And but, just just to, gives them additional background Um, for non golfers. Four people, a foursome can use a single tea time. So if three people who are acquainted book a tea time, it's very, very hard to fill out that fourth slot. So this bargain 52 rate uh, in the last three days is really a way to entice some residents to fill that single spot that's so hard to fill. Uh, so we're rewarding the residents who are willing to pick
8: up those unwanted slots.
7: Perfect. Well, I am indeed a non-golfer. Yeah. So and they you. can make
8: some new friends that way too, yes. right? <laughs> yes, <sir.
7: laughs> Um, And I do actually have just a couple more quick questions. The Champions Club, uh, the 28 people, uh, uh, remind me, I'm I'm sorry if if you mentioned earlier, but does the Champions Club have a fee to participate? Okay, it's not just you get on and on the list or whatever.
11: Yes, it does carry a $299 fee to participate. And then it does have a few other benefits, including like half off range access. Um, I think there's some pro shop discounts, some discounts in the restaurant. So there's some other things that are attached to that club as well okay so will the with the 28 people on the wait list
7: pay the the same fee and just just yeah? i think
11: more of the thought is that we need those 100 full spots to make sure that we fill the 72 every week it's not intended that you know those 28 folks are going to pay full boat and then hardly ever see any access got
7: it so we're going to sell 100 this year at the full rate of 2.99 instead of okay that's perfect and the platinum club if if our local residents don't use up all 400 slots that are available by December 1st, they go back on the open market? That's the concept, yes. Perfect, thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey. Yes,
9: thank you. I, I do wanna commend uh, the approach we took to listening to the people, because it was very inclusive. We heard different voices, and I think we got really uh, good feedback by doing it in that fashion. How far out can a non-resident book tee times do we have what's what's that
11: yes so if you're just going to book straight through the website you know wide open non-resident pricing it is a 60-day booking window okay. that's the concept is making this equitable for um, anybody even the platinum card folks
9: okay and I just have another question We you talked about the 65 dollars over 32 weeks did I did I understand that correctly
11: it's 65 dollars per time they play so it's 65 dollars each week that they play Oh, is, okay. is, am I understanding your question? Well,
9: I thought I heard something about 32 weeks. So it's 32. a 32
11: week season, roughly runs okay. from October and okay. through okay. May. That's the 32 weeks. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
9: Well, g- great job on this. And it really is, uh, you took a lot into consideration and listened to a lot of people who had not been heard before. So thank you.
0: All right. Looks like that's all the questions for now. This will be on the action agenda, if you think of any others. Uh, looks like our closed session was notice for three thirty. 30 So I assume, Mr. Clerk, we cannot jump the gun.
4: That is correct.
0: Okay. So you are free to move about the cabin, Uh, please, please come back for,
4: uh, briefly to open the council meetings at 3.30. April 13? meetings of
0: the Palm Desert City Council, successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority. Uh, Do we have any public comment for closed session?
4: I will just check for those in the Zoom Room. If you'd like to participate in public comment, please raise your uh, hand. Seeing none, Madam Mayor. Uh, and we will be adjourned to close session. Recessed to close session.